The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Olivia, before we get started, we're recording this. It is Super Bowl Sunday. It is currently in overtime. The 49ers are at 22. Chiefs are at 19. By the end of this episode, we're going to have Super Bowl champions. I'm really hoping Taylor Swift and her team pull it out. But how are you? <laughs> How's your week, Ben? How are you holding up on this Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I'm really kind of nervous. I want to see the end of the game, but the podcast comes first. This week's been a rough one. I've been a little under the weather, but finally feeling a little bit better today. Um, How are you? Did you enjoy the halftime show? I mean, can we talk about that? So we can talk about the halftime show. Uh, I did not get to enjoy it real time, which was a little frustrating. We went to a friend's house because, you know, I'm not a huge sports guy in general. But I like the the tradition and really we go for the commercials and we go for the halftime show. So we went over to a friend's and we we're watching it and we were watching on Paramount Plus and something happened where the first half ended and we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. It's just commentary, commentary, commentary. And all of a sudden my sister started texting Kara like, are you watching this halftime show like Usher? And we're like, no, it's not. So something happened with the app where we did not see it. So. By the time we got home, it was posted on Twitter and I got to watch Usher shake his thing and, you know, do the whole thing. But there's something a little bit different about watching it on Twitter than, than watching right. it, you know, with Gina a bunch Bob. of people. But yeah, 
I mean, dancing in rollerblades, not even rollerblades, like quads. He was dancing in skates. I can't even hardly stand in skates, let alone dance in skates. But I'm going to Vegas in two months, so I need to make sure he's playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of skill to dance. Now, I grew up, again, right outside Detroit, Michigan. We would spend a lot of time at the skating rink. And I will tell you, there's a lot of really good dancers who can put on those skates and make some things happen in the rink. So I am not one of them, <laughs> but I've witnessed it. Oh, and come it's, on. No, no. I, you know, was a little chubby kid, just like, I want to go fast. That was the whole thing. So. <laughs> but I definitely was not busting a move. But, yeah, really interesting to see who wins this game. Hopefully, if you're listening, it's Monday when this comes out. Hopefully, you had a great time with your friends and family and enjoyed the game and things like that. And at the end of this episode, we'll know who the winner is. So that'll be uh, be pretty cool. Yeah. What do you have for this week, John? Well, this week, you know, coming up on Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day. And so I thought, I don't know if we did this last year or not, but I was like, why not do a Valentine's case? Maybe some true crime that happened on Valentine's Day. So I actually started looking and I found a case that I had never heard about before. And I thought it would be really interesting to cover it. I'm wondering if you've heard of it, if our listeners have heard of it, but Super excited to to check it out, get into it. It takes place in Oklahoma. So, you know, a very romantic state. <laughs> so I don't know if we should uh, jump in and just get to it, but I'm excited to see what you think about it. Yeah, let's get started. Let's do it. For this week's case, we're going back to Valentine's Day in 2001. In Oklahoma, 53-year-old Dr. John Baxter Hamilton was a successful OBGYN. Hamilton owned a practice where he worked with his wife, 55-year-old Susan Shibley Hamilton. The couple had met in 1985. Both were divorced and had four children between them. And after a whirlwind romance, the pair married only two years later. Susan was charming, friendly, and outgoing. She ran the couple's Oklahoma City Clinic for women. And in her free time, Susan worked at the county's medical auxiliary. John and Susan did very well financially. They lived in the affluent Quail Creek neighborhood, and John would shower Susan with gifts. In fact, he had given her a Porsche on their wedding day. They took exotic vacations and enjoyed the finer things in life. To friends and family, the couple seemed to have a perfect life full of love. But on February 14, 2001, the unthinkable would happen. That morning, John headed to work like he usually did. But later, 911 operators would receive a disturbing call. On the other end was John Hamilton. He told the dispatcher that Susan was dead. Police quickly arrived on the scene, and what they found was horrifying. There on the bathroom floor was the body of Susan Hamilton. She was nude and lying in a puddle of blood. Her attacker had used two of John's neckties to strangle her and Susan had been beaten so badly in the head that brain matter was visible. But strangely, there were no signs of forced entry. This told investigators that whoever murdered Susan must have known her. Additionally, no bloody footprints were found inside the home, and police believed it nearly impossible for there to be that much blood but no footprint trail. Now John, whose shirt was covered in blood, was questioned immediately. He told investigators that he had performed a surgery at around 7 a.m. that day, after he had come home to drop off flowers and exchange Valentine's cards with Susan. 
According to John, he then left and returned to the hospital to do another procedure after he headed back to the couple's home. And it was then that he found Susan unresponsive. John told investigators that he had attempted CPR to revive his wife, and that was why his shirt was covered in blood. Now, authorities were immediately suspicious of John's story, but after speaking with neighbors, they weren't so sure. Folks who knew them told police that the couple seemed very much in love, and they didn't believe John would ever hurt his wife. Hamilton's colleagues said the same, sharing that they didn't believe the doctor to be capable of violence. Additionally, John and Susan were also abortion advocates, and their work had drawn more than criticism from some. Anti-abortion activists had actually targeted the couple, and at one point, a wanted poster was made with John's face on it. Susan had received death threats. Police couldn't rule out that Susan may have been murdered at the hands of one of these extremists. But as they continued their investigation, detectives stumbled upon something strange. While doing a search of the Hamilton home, investigators discovered the couple's Valentine's Day cards, and they found the message that Susan had written quite interesting. Inside it read, I bought this two weeks ago, so I guess maybe it doesn't seem as appropriate, but I do love you. Have a good day, Susan. The handwritten note puzzled police, and they began to wonder if the couple's relationship was really as perfect as people had claimed. As they continued their investigation, detectives interviewed a close friend of Susan's, and the picture that she had painted of the relationship wasn't as flattering. She shared that Susan had discovered John had been making calls to a woman who worked as a topless dancer. When Susan confronted her husband, he claimed that the woman was just a patient that he was trying to help. But Susan didn't believe him. In fact, she thought John was having an affair. Additionally, Other friends shared that the couple had been arguing over a money issue, and some believed that Susan was contemplating filing for divorce. And because of this, police again shifted their focus to Dr. John Hamilton. So before we go any further, Olivia, what are you thinking? Where's your head at? What do you think is going on? You know, John, I think that so far to me, the husband seems a little guilty. And I didn't feel that way until... I heard about the Valentine's Day card. And then obviously when the Valentine's Day card was found, they're clearly having troubles. So it seems like the picture was painted pretty perfectly between the pair. But I don't know. I I feel like I'm suspicious of him. You know, you sound a lot like me when I was researching this case, because as I was going through, I was like, seems like they had a, a good life. Like they're happy together. They're taking vacations. You know, usually when you're fighting with your spouse or, if there is, you know, some domestic issues, the people who are close to you know that, like neighbors say stuff, colleagues say stuff. But in this case, you know, until they started talking to this one friend of Susan, everything seemed pretty good. So it sounds like you're having a lot of the same thoughts that I am as as I was going through. And it's kind of interesting because it's like a teeter-totter where it's like, well, he seems like he's good, but then there was issues. So it's kind of going up and down. And I'll, I'll be honest, I really didn't know where it was going. So I'm wondering if, if, You've got a little bit of that as well. Like, do you think you definitely know what is happening or what, how it's going to play out? Or did you still have a little bit of a question in your brain? I don't know. I feel like this is a case where it's the husband killed the wife. But at the end of the day, you know, you just never know because you always have twists and curves and loops and swirls that I always have to like figure out at the end. So who knows with this case? Yeah, it is 
very interesting. I will say there's a twist because you know me. I like my twist. But See? don't count yourself out because I think your line of thinking so far is pretty good. But should we get back into it? You Are you interested to hear how it ends? Yeah, let's keep going. All right, let's do it. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, going back to the investigation, first detectives revisited the doctor's alibi. They found that Hamilton had in fact performed two surgeries on the day of Susan's murder. But strangely, they discovered a 30-minute gap in his schedule. And because of this, detectives brought John back in for further questioning. Now, while transporting him to the station, they noticed the doctor exhibiting odd behavior. While in the car, he began scraping his knuckles against the graded divider in the police car. John continued to be questioned, and police felt as if he was putting on some kind of act, almost as if he was pretending to be distraught over the murder of his wife. Detectives knew that the 30-minute gap in his schedule was tight, and it would have been hard for him to commit murder. But when they learned that the doctor had been late to his second surgery, they had what they needed and Dr. John Hamilton was promptly arrested late on that Valentine's Day. Now, news of his arrest spread quickly, and the community was in total shock. Despite the allegations being so damning, many supported the doctor. Even when the news of the alleged affair was made public, he was still being defended. People in the community argued that he may have crossed an ethical boundary, but there was no way he could be guilty of murder. Some even speculated that his alleged mistress may have murdered Susan. With public confidence on his side, Hamilton's trial began in December of 2001, and the prosecution shared what they believe happened with the jury. They argue that John, in fact, had come home to exchange those Valentine's cards, but they believe that the couple got into an argument at some point. And according to the prosecution, this is when they believe John attacked and murdered his wife. Then he started cleaning up the mess, wiping bloody footprints. But it was then that he was paged by the hospital. And realizing that he was late for surgery and possibly ruining a perfectly good alibi, he changed clothes and returned to work, tossing the murder weapon and his clothes on the way. Now, interestingly enough, a housekeeper for the couple shared that a large statue was missing from the bedroom, and the prosecution believed that this was what was used to beat Susan about the head. Unfortunately, that statue was never recovered, and more damning evidence was presented. Susan's blood and skin were found on the steering wheel of John's car, but the defense painted a different picture. They claimed that John was a good, loving husband and they accused the authorities of not looking into the anti-abortion activists further. On the stand, John claimed that he had moved his vehicle for emergency services, and that is how his wife's blood got onto the steering wheel. Now, the defense also called a blood expert to the stand. This expert testified that the splatter on John's clothing was consistent with him trying to deliver CPR. But then... Something happened that Hamilton's lawyers weren't prepared for. 
While being cross-examined, the expert was asked under oath if anything had been missed. The witness then shared that there was actually blood inside the cuff of John Hamilton's shirt and that this type of splatter could have been created by striking someone in the head with a heavy object. The courtroom was stunned. John Hamilton's expert witness had managed to implicate him in the murder of his wife, Susan, and that was all that it took. The jury deliberated for only two hours before finding Dr. John Hamilton guilty of murder. He would later be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Now, at that sentencing hearing in January of 2002, the prosecution had not sought the death penalty in the case. They didn't think they would be able to prove that the victim was conscious during the time that she was beaten. Because of this, Judge Ray Elliott told Hamilton he should consider himself very lucky. Now, Hamilton would go on to file several appeals, but all would be denied, and he is currently serving his life sentence in the Oklahoma Department of Corrections. So that's this week's case, Olivia. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Okay, so I did not see that twist coming, but I was pretty much thinking that uh, he had killed his wife. But as someone who has like helped out in surgery and like try to get people to like pre-op and in the OR and, you know, getting people out of the OR, he had to have lived pretty close to the hospital to be like that 30 minutes is not a lot of time. Like some, it takes me like 10 minutes to get into the parking garage and like get into the building, get into my unit. Like that's a solid, like I say 10 minutes, really probably like five minutes. It takes a lot of time to get around. So I'm impressed that that happened, but I was not expecting that his own witness was going to, you know, throw him under the bus. Yeah, I can't imagine. I did want to ask you this because of the environment that you work in. So Mm -hmm. like, do you have like big shot doctors there. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of my, I don't know if like, do the big shot doctors, do they park in the parking garage like everybody else? Or do they just roll up and they have a spot and they walk in? Like, I I'm, think it just depends on what kind of hospital you're at. I mean, some have it where you park and you walk right in and then most bigger places you have to like, you have to park kind of far or like in a garage that takes a little bit of time to like get up to your unit and where you need to be. Yeah, I wonder because I'm not sure. I've never been to Oklahoma City, so I don't know. But I don't know if maybe it was just, you know, it was also his practice. So if he just, you know, this is my spot, I roll up, I roll in. Right, right. Like at a surgery center or something. Yeah, but it definitely doesn't sound like from what the prosecution was saying that this is something that he necessarily planned. He got into an argument. Something happened. And then. He was in the middle of cleaning it up and it's like, oh no, I just got paged. Like I got a, I got surgery. I got to get out of here super quick. You know what I mean? So. What I'm saying, he's got to live within or be within 15 minutes of wherever he was going. It just seems like 30 minutes is a quick amount of time for somebody to leave their place of work and then have an argument with your wife, murder her. You know what I mean? It could have also just been like one or two blows to the head. It didn't have to be like an overkill situation where you would think it would take a long time. So I don't know. Just seems like a, a short amount of time to make it happen, but he obviously did it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just hard because, you know, they were married for what, 16 years. They got married in, no, it would have been 14 because they got, they met in 85 and married two years later. So they were married for 14 years. And I'm sure for the people that knew them, like it just came out of nowhere. Plus they both had kids. You know what I mean? So it's just crazy. And then we talk about it all the time too, but it's like, it seems like it was over money. 
Because like if she leaves right. me, right, I'm not going to live in this house in this sweet neighborhood and not going to be able to drive my Jaguar and take these vacations. Like she's going to get half my stuff. It's just, we've talked about it so many times, but it's just such a crazy reason to want to kill someone. And then to be screwed over by your own expert, to have your defense team be like, <laughs> listen, we've got this guy's blood splatter analysis. He's going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. It was from given CPR. And then he's just like, yeah, but you know, also he probably beat her in the head. You know what I mean? Something, you know? Yeah. That was, that was crazy. I, I would be so mad. Like, can I get my money back? Right. Like, can I, yeah, a little bit of a refund would be nice for sure. I'm going to need it in the commissary when I go (laughs) to prison for the rest of my life. Right. But yeah, this case, like I said, Valentine's Day is on Wednesday. And I thought it would be cool to kind of dip into that theme and bring us a Valentine's story. So if we're talking, you know, deadbolt test, I have a feeling this probably isn't going to be super high for you. But what are you thinking where you put it on your scale? I'm putting it about a three wasn't super scary to me. I hate when the spouses kill each other, like over money, just divorce. I just don't understand. That's one concept in life that I will just never understand. Like if you are not happy, go get another job. You're a physician. You can make money. Like you're not going to be without, like you're privileged enough that you could be successful and start from scratch on your own financially. I mean, I just don't get it. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think this is a trend when we do cases like this, but I think I'm going to put it like a six because Kara's going to get you. No, I don't think Kara's going to get me, but they're <laughs> married for 14 years, right? Mm-hmm. And I will say Susan probably didn't think Java's going to get her. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> but they're married for 14 years, right? And like by all accounts, everybody was like, no, they were perfect. They were happy. They, you know, nothing seemed wrong. And then it comes out that, you know, husband is talking to a stripper and there's money issues and, you know, filing for a divorce. And all of a sudden a person just, you know, is like, Hey, I would rather murder you than lose my stuff, you know? And yeah. it's just, again, when you have been with somebody for that long, like you don't expect something like that to happen. And so I think that's a scary concept of like, I've lived with someone I've parented with someone I've shared my life with someone only to find out that, at the end of the day, they can murder in cold blood. And I think that's pretty scary. So Yeah, that's pretty scary. When you put it that way, John. Yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, I know I've said it a million times, but you just never really know. You know what I mean? It's crazy. That's why you say single for life. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> no, I don't think that should be a reason you put up walls. I think, again, I'm all about. That's not why my walls are up, John. <laughs> are we going to get into it on the podcast? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Why do you put up walls? What why blocks you, you from other people? What is your problem? No, but I do. I no, no. <laughs> you were thinking no. about it. <laughs> well, that is where we fall in the deadbolt test for this week's episode. Olivia's putting it at a three and she may be having a major breakthrough. I am putting it at a six, but as always, we want to know where does the murder of Susan Hamilton fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know, reach out to us on Instagram at check the locks pod, find us on Twitter, at check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to spend some time with you. Olivia, this, you know, was supposed to be a sweet Valentine's case. Ended up getting a little sad, a little sour. I need a pick-me-up, something to get the taste out of my mouth. You got a five-star review for us this week. Oh, boy, do I ever. This week's five-star review comes from Wiener for the win. Yes. Yes, I said Wiener for the win, John. Wiener for the win. 
And they said, I've been listening to true crime podcasts for a while. And somewhere along the way, I zone out and miss most of the story. John and Olivia find a way to keep me engaged throughout the entire episode. This is a great podcast and I highly recommend it to anyone looking for great hosts and stories you might not have heard about. So thank you, Wiener for the win. And speaking of Wieners for the win, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) That Wiener won the Super Bowl. (laughs) Just kidding. Travis. No, I'm not cutting that. Travis, you're not a Wiener. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Great Super Bowl win. But more importantly, congratulations to Wiener for the win. Thank you for leaving us that five-star review so that we could read it on the show. We would love to get you some goodies out. We got stickers, buttons, all sorts of stuff. Again, the fact that you took time out of your day, you left us that review and left us such an awesome username to say on this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We would love to send you some stuff. Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that? They need to go to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll down where you see all five of those purple stars, click them all and leave us a little review and tell us what you think about our podcast. That's right. And Olivia says it best so that I don't have to. Apple Podcasts, click the link, leave the review. We would love to hear what you think. You know, these reviews, they help us so much. They help us get into other shows' recommendations. They help new listeners find the show. And more importantly, it helps us to grow our community. So if you have left us a review, just know that we appreciate that more than we could ever tell you. If you haven't, again, use the cheat code. There's a link in the description of the episode you're listening to right now. Let us know what you think, and we'd love to read your review. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting the show, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Go ahead and get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive benefits, stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts, all things you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad free. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on. That is patreon.com forward slash check the locks to get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're hanging out with us, spending time with us, just know that we appreciate it more than we could ever tell you. Again, that is how we are going to continue to grow is by you sharing what we do with the people who are important to you. So if you're listening, you're telling people to check out this little podcast, just know it means the world to us. We appreciate it more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to check the locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Bye. Go Chiefs. Also, happy Mardi Gras.